Well, I feel like if I had video game music for getting with me, it would be Super Mario World. Like, there wouldn't be, like, it wouldn't be, like, fighting or anything. It would be more of, like, oh, now you're, you've got to jump over this, like, pit <laughs> and hit this question mark block. Hey, it's a mushroom. <laughs> now you're bigger. <laughs> going, going down the green tunnel. Yeah, like. and just going down random pipes. So that you can get this pipe. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast where myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What's up? Watch Robcops, and then record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm enjoying a nice, warm day for Chicago in October. The wonderful beauty of climate change yeah buddy um it's nice and warm here which is unlike toronto canada during the time of the film that we watched this week french scott kiss. pilgrim versus the world oh we didn't watch french kiss we did not watch french kiss i know some people who listen to the podcast are wondering didn't they say french kiss at the end of last week we did guess what we found out French Kiss is not streaming anywhere and not even available to rent as a streaming option. What anywhere. the fuck? Like, yeah, the oddest thing I've seen. We've been able to rent every single film that we've watched if it wasn't already on like Netflix or any other streaming property or we didn't have it on DVD. But this film, French Kiss, is nowhere to be found. And we've, uh, we've watched some, we've watched a couple oddball films too that, yeah. That were yeah. definitely scoured from the depths of the Amazon Prime video rental yes. cloud, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Like, this is not, French Kiss is not a that abnormal of a, a thing. It's fucking weird. You would think, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, so, you know, while off the air, when Max was confronted with this news, uh, it was his choice. To make it, you know, he had to make another choice, and he decided on Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is a movie that you had seen before, correct? Yes, I saw it a long time ago when, right before I moved out to Chicago. It was when I was, like, my last year in Eugene. And my girlfriend and I, at the uh, my girlfriend at the time and I watched it. And I, I think, I guess it wasn't relatively new at that point. I, for some reason, at the time, I thought it was relatively new. I it, mean, you you moved out uh, here in what twenty twelve? Uh, yeah, okay. I guess it, it two years is not bad. But yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it was relatively new to like DVD. I'm assuming. Probably, yeah. You know, and so. Michael Sarah was starting to get to get big and everything, so. Yeah, I mean, I think this is at the point where Michael Sarah was on the decline. His peak was like 2009, 20, like 2010. Was it? 
Like this seemed like kind of the the last remnants of his peak. God, this um, was this was this was peak. This was really this was uh, whatever. We'll go into that. I mean, because like he, because like Superbad was twenty or two thousand seven. No, 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 no. I'm just I'm reflecting on that. This really, this is the state of a of a of him that was the peak. Like, (laughs) oh, really? Yeah. This was this was as high as he got. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, granted, I think this is like on the way down, but yes, on the Um, way down, on the way down. (laughs) 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 You you save me from myself. <laughs> Shout out Ryan Cabrera. God, that was um, a bad song. Yeah, so. But a great song. Let, let's get into the stats of the film. Um, and discuss it further. I had never seen this movie before. I knew of it, though. I knew the, um, the structure of the film as well. So, nothing was. There were no surprises for me. The structure, uh, like that, it was that like the, a video the, game. The the seven X's video game fights, all yeah. that jazz. So, um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a 2010 romantic action comedy film, co-written, produced, and directed by Edgar Wright, and is based on the graphic novel series Scott Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley. It stars Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim a slacker musician who is trying to win a competition to get a record deal while also battling the seven evil exes of his newest girlfriend, Ramona Flowers, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, this film came out in the United States on August 13th of 2010. With a running time of 112 minutes, it felt all of it. Um... And it was such a long lead up to everything. Yeah. Like with no intro, really a very short intro, but a very long lead up to the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause they had to build the relationship with knives first before even getting into the whole remote. Yeah. It really was kind of like two, two different. It was like watching a two part episode of like a 45 minute long episode show yeah you know and you watch Um, the first 45 and the second 45 and their own they're they're related but they're their own narratives yeah yes it was weird like uh like the bachelor and bachelorette party episodes of new girl in season five for schmidt and cc uh technically those i don't even remember those are two those are a two-part episode that takes an hour but like the the guys end up at that bar out in the middle of the desert and then cc and uh, um (laughs) and just get high and then they crush the bread maker and then they try to steal another bread maker Oh yeah. yeah, the bread maker. That was. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like bacon. <laughs> feel like um, bacon. Feel, like, feel, feel like, like feel like feel like bacon. <laughs> anyway, um, guess what the budget of this film was? Fifteen million. With all those special effects. Oh. 
Fuck. Really? It was expensive. 60 to 85 million oh is the estimate. Oh my god. Uh, How much did it make in the box office? 50 million. 49.3 million. Damn. Really? So, it was that much so it was a flop, huh? This film is considered a bomb or you know, bob if you want to. Uh call it that. A sex yeah. bomb. Hey. Um so yes, the basically a film adaptation of the comics was proposed following the release of the first volume and Wright was attached to the project early. Filming began in March 2009 in Toronto and wrapped that August. The film premiered after a panel discussion at the San Diego Comic-Con in, two, in July of 2010. Um, and, uh, the film uses fe- uh, famous features of its Toronto setting and matches the style of video game and comic book in- imagery. It used real bands, including Beck and Metric, as a basis for each fictional group in the Battle of the Bands plot, with some of the actors also performing. A combination of digital, a combination of digital and physical methods were used to create the extensive visual effects. Uh, it was a box office bomb that failed to recoup its eighty-five million dollar production budget. Uh, however, the film received positive reviews from critics, who noted its visual style and humor. And it eventually garnered a cult following. I was gonna say, I think even when I watched it, I guess two years later, I think even then I felt like it was a, it had a cult following. It wasn't a, yeah. a big movie. It's also garnered scholarly analysis from professors and things like that. So there's been papers written about really this film. Um, Why? Just because of the unique like comic book type <laughs> video game format. They, they call it transmedia na- narrative. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, All right. And, well, I can see that as a teaching experience for sure. Like it, yeah, definitely, I mean, it definitely has a unique format. It's kind of cool in that respect. I mean, it, it, it did it. I don't know if it did it well. <laughs> like, you know. If, <laughs> well, like, the, I thought the, the effects were really cool, but the narrative lacked. Yeah, I mean... It'd be like if someone like decided to make a claymation version of Fool's Gold. <laughs> it's just like, oh, they've made it no, out of claymation. No. That's nothing, that is a different narrative style, <laughs> but it's still Fool's Gold. This still sucks. <laughs> I didn't think it sucked. Not like Fool's Gold. I mean, we'll we'll talk. About nothing it. is like um, Fool's Gold. So, as I mentioned, it received positive reviews, so let's go to the Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is for this film? Um, probably, like, 60%. I'm standing up. <laughs> you make an extra emphasis for this? And I'm sitting back down. 82%. Damn. It is certified fresh from 273 reviews. Wow. That's, um, <laughs> that's uh, wow, okay. 
I mean, I, yeah. I could see that from like the Google users' reviews, but like audience score is eighty four percent. Yeah, I could see that being the audience score. Its script may not be as dazzling as its eye popping visuals, but Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is fast, funny, and inventive. That is the critics' consensus. Uh, <coughs> I don't know about funny. Michael Sarah is exhausting. Yeah. But um, the rest of that I kind of agree with. I mean, I, I really dug the effects. But that's just me. I mean, I love the Marvel shit, so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. the. And anyone who cried at Iron Man's death understands that, what I'm saying there. Uh, Kalechi Ihanuli, uh, Nulo, excuse me, a vulture hound, wrote this cool review last year. Uh, Edgar Wright's love letter to geekdom is still wildly inventive and imaginative 10 years on, and gave it a score of 4.5 out of 5. Hmm. Um, Richard Propes of The Independent uh, wrote, Easily summer 2010's wildest, most inventive, and original comedy. 3.5 out of 4. It's, uh, I think it's that's, in, that's a little overpraise. It's inventive, guys. Did we talk about how inventive it is? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Drew Deitch of Giant Freaking Robot. <laughs> what are these things i don't know uh so many movies feel derivative or fall into easily recognizable categories this is a movie that stands out from the crowd and continues to do so 10 years later have we mentioned its uniqueness it's inventive guys uh, um the 112 minutes of Scott or Sergio Benitez of Espan, Espanoff, Espanoff. It's basically es, or Espanoff, E S P I N O F. Espanoff. Um, sounds like a Bond villain. Translated to English from Spanish, but oh. it's a positive review. The 112 minutes of Scott Pilgrim versus the World are a constant appeal to the public with impossible scenes in which reality and fantasy are mixed. With an astonishing natural naturality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Eileen Jones of the Exile uh, gave it a negative review. Uh, does it seem to be pandering? Are they sick of the bleeding, narrow-shouldered Michael Sarah typecasting? Do they dislike having their sense of leading epic lives? pointed out for last, especially in the grandiose form that is cinema. I don't know what? why I keep reading articles or reading blurbs from her. Uh, what? <laughs> I, her review was just asking questions. Yeah, I should have I should have read that before I, I read what? it. <laughs> Alright, who is this? Blacklist this source. This is not a good reviewer. Eileen Jones from The Exile. Um, and well, the letter X is like capitalized. There. Okay, well, yeah. she's exiled from our <laughs> from yeah. Anyway, uh, so Deborah Ross of the Spectator, who's considered a top critic in 
Rotten Tomatoes. I, I don't it. trust these anymore. Like gave it a negative review. Okay. Energy and invention and audacity count for little unless you can sense something at its core. Unless a film gives you something to feel. But there is zilch here. It's hollow. Ooh, okay. That's actually a pretty damn good review. That's where we're going to end it, because that's exactly how I feel about this fucking film. It's uh, just... I feel like we there's one thing and one thing only that we can talk about. It's Have we mentioned its inventiveness, its uniqueness? <laughs> well, that's all it has going for it. Because the fact of the matter is, like, yeah, it's, the main character is a fuckboy. He's and, and not a, the, he's just like and, a he's he's afraid. He's he's a fuckboy out of fear. Like he's not doing it to hurt people. He's just like doing it because he's he doesn't want to deal with the ramifications of any decisions. Which I would argue is worse for a protagonist of a film. Yeah, it's not very. It's I not like great. it. It's, it's just like. If I wanted to worry about a fuckboy with anxiety and fear issues, I would focus on my own life instead of watching a film. I mean, maybe that's what the movie's trying to tell us all. is like, yo, uh, if you resonate with this film, you need to stop watching and go check yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that <laughs> that's like, you would hope that that'd be the the message taken from this film uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's i'm looking for i'm looking for a bonus because like yeah the uniqueness is cool i i love like i said i dug the the whole fucking the comic book kind of style the, like the pow the onomatopoeias that kept flashing across the screen the different little special effects i thought that stuff was cool but like you have to be in that mindset from right off the bat in the movie. Yeah. And you have to like understand that everything you're about to see is very fictionalized, dramatized, and like in that realm, that reality, as if you're inside of a video game. Yes. Because, yeah, it is. It's totally, totally unique and totally not realistic in that respect so sometimes a lot of the rom-com moments i felt were actually kind of like hindered by that or it was like oh we could have had some nice actual character growth or development or a nice rom-com storyline to invest in but then it gets broken up with some weird ass like saber fight yes and it's like i, I, I get that you're trying to be unique but like like that last review said Give us something to actually invest in. Like, yeah, it's a, that's a, go ahead, go ahead. I've been talking well, about it's, it. It's like it's a lot easier to invest in a character like Michael Sarah if you find out, like we, like if you find out that he has some sort of, you know, home issue. Like you just know that he has a sister, but like. You know, how was his upbringing? How was like, how is this? How is he the way that he is? We ju we're just yeah, told we, the way that he is. We don't really and so learn it's hard anything to just, about him. Yeah. And it's just like, it's hard to feel for this guy when all you see is he's 22 years old who got broken up with and is still not quite over it. And then decides to date a 17 year old 
and then decides to cheat on her because he randomly saw a girl in his dreams and decided he wanted to be with her instead. But then couldn't man up and break up with a 17-year-old. Again, the whole, like, girl of his dreams analogy that's, like, an obvious, like, rom-com metaphor and, like, all that shit, like, tying those into or using or viewing those from the perspective of like a video game or a comic book series or something like that. Again, unique, cool. But when it becomes like you're saying part of the actual narrative where it's like he sees her in his dreams. So now he chooses to pursue her and then it goes too far. And then he doesn't take any action with the other, his current girlfriend. It's like, yeah, it's hard to get behind a lot of it. We we also and, what do we even know about him? Like he's that he 20, plays that he's twenty two. He plays in a band. He doesn't have a job, and he broke up with the girl who got famous. Yeah, he said he's in between jobs. We don't learn anything more about him, and it's very surface level stuff. It's like so really, but but hey, when he plays the bass, it says d d d d d d d d d d d. And when when someone gets punched, it says smack. So it's inventive, guys. And then there's coins that fall out, and there's scores. So it's inventive, guys. It's like video games. Don't you get it? The high-ass part of my brain did did really enjoy seeing all of those special effects, I I must say. (laughs) But with that being said, like, Again, some of it was too much. Some of those scenes went on for way too long mm-hmm. where it just takes away from the, the overall plot of the movie entirely, I felt like. Like the, you know, the first battle that we have with the, the first ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Matthew the, Patel. Matthew Patel, and then all of a sudden he starts singing. Yeah, yeah then it's like, you think it's over finally. It's, we've already had a long fight scene, which is the first one that we have. So it's kind of confusing in that respect because we don't know what the fuck we're actually in for. And then then all of a sudden he starts sitting. Now he's singing. Now it's a singing battle. It's just, it's like, okay, what what are we doing this for again? And they actually, to your point, they actually have to keep reminding us why we're doing this. Because they say multiple times, like they do with everything, they tell us. They don't show us. They have to tell us. You're fighting for her. You're doing this all for her. And then it's then he has to change his motives and fight for himself. Even that, they have to keep reminding us of why they're doing this, why he's fighting these exes. And, you know, that's why it's... When I play video games, there's not a lot of video games that I play that are like this, you know, whole that are like this, where it's just like you have bosses and you have like missions to accomplish and everything else like that, because it really is dependent upon the story. If the story doesn't make sense, then it's just like, why am I wasting my time playing this game? Like, why, like, do I really care about actually accomplishing all of this? If I play a sports game, I know what the, I know exactly what the stakes are. I'm trying to win a game because I would like to win rather than lose because there's a championship at the end of this. And if I keep garnering wins, then I get to be called a champion and better than all of you. Those are the stakes. Yeah. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I know exactly what I'm trying to do. 
Well, even but, I, I grew up with games like that where it was like the boss battle or like it was some sort of strategy or puzzle or something, some journey like like, yeah. you know, Mario Brothers, like uh, Mario some Brothers, of, some sort of journey that you have to go on and overcome these obstacles. This didn't feel like that. Super Mario World makes complete sense. Your princess has been kidnapped. Go get her. Like, basically, you're Harrison Ford, and you're going to go get the kidnapped kidnapped person back. Like, it's very easy to understand someone being kidnapped and having to go get that motherfucker and get him back. Like, that's easy. Easy stakes. I will find you, and I will kill you. Exactly. Get your Liam Neeson on. But, (laughs) like... But with Zelda, there's a, a princess and, like, magical powers and a flute. And, like, I never got into Zelda. Never got into Zelda. I never Zelda. really did either. I never did either. Sure, I never there got was, the flute thing. It was so weird. Kind of creepy. There's probably some convoluted story about saving a kingdom of some sort and from I think a dragon. So. Yeah. And I, I was just like, eh, no. I mean, Pokemon, easy. Catch a ball. Gotta catch a ball. Simple, easy stakes. You know exactly what you're trying to do. There's a hunt in the original 151 Pokemon. Catch all the motherfuckers. Put them in a ball, and you're the trainer of them. That's what you're trying to do. That's easy. <laughs> I mean, and, and with like even with something like Grand Theft Auto, you get to control the stakes. You set the stakes. Do you want to just go on a killing spree and just see how long you can live? <laughs> Those are your fucking snakes now. Get a tank. Run everyone over. Or do you want to go accomplish the missions so that you can accumulate money and run the city with your very, with your large sums of money? You can do that. You get to set the stakes, and you get to decide on your own what those stakes are. But you actually have stakes. You actually have something to accomplish. This film... It never felt like, like I never cared about what needed to be accomplished. Like we're trying to defeat the seven X's to what to be with this girl that we don't know anything about, and and I'm this guy that I know nothing about. Yeah, they never told us anything about her either. That gave us something to invest in as an audience. Like, yeah, she changes it. She seems amazing. Go after her. She's incredible. That sort of thing. We didn't. We never get to root for that. She changes her hair every week and a half, and she went to Toronto from New York in order to get a new life, which basically meant she was running away from this very large ex's situation that she has in her life. I can see why they're attracted to each other, because he's running from his problems, too. He's just avoiding them. Yeah, he's just avoiding the heartache that he feels about getting broken up with and cheated on by a girl who's now famous which it's like dude i i'm i totally get avoidance like we've talked about that last couple episodes like we get that but not with that shit come on i mean at the end he he's fighting for himself for self-respect and yeah, finally, so, finally, his fucking moral compass kicks the fuck in, and he's like, "Oh shit, I should be doing this for myself." And and then his moral compass is gonna make him decide to settle for knives. Yeah, you that know? was that was that was really strange. 
that until totally knives was me. like go get her obviously you're the, you want her oh my God. it's like obviously you want her because you cheated on me with her and you've already banged her yeah and you've, like they they barely even kissed right uh him and knives yeah yeah and on top of that, Knives is still 17 years old. This is still yeah. awkward. Like, there's only so far you can go with that. You got to wait. I don't know how many months, but. <laughs> as as Barney would say, now I met your mother. The only time you wait 30 days for sex is if a girl is 17 years, 11 months old. Jesus, Barney. I know. He was a horrible character. God. You know, after taking a couple years off from watching that show, I'm I'm willing to bet that if I go back and actually rewatch at least the first couple seasons, there's going to be some jokes in there that I'm like, holy fuck, how did I laugh at this? Yeah. There's jokes that don't age well. But at the same time, there's still episodes. Oh, there's still fantastic. I mean, the pineapple incident. Yeah. Is always going to be the greatest. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Hey, it's me again. Plain to see again. Please, can I can I see you every day? I love everyone this far, and we love you, Drunk Ted. <laughs> oh, that's why we don't do shots anymore. <laughs> I drank all five, bitch. <laughs> I was gonna say that one. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, uh, be more like How I Met Your Mother, except not the ending. No, no. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. Don't be more like How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, um, that was once. That was unique too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also had a good storyline. I'm. I don't know what else to say about this film. Well, how about all the Curious. fucking the weird ass actors that we saw that all seem to be the same graduating class? Yeah, Aubrey Plaza being Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> same same damn character in every movie. Still fucking yeah. amazing. Anna Kendrick being an oddly supportive younger sister who seemed older. older. Wasn't she older sister? No, she was younger. She was. Yeah. Wow. She was 18. So she was technically younger than Michael Sarah. Okay, well that explains her. that explains why she kind of reminded me of my cousin Katie. Who was, yeah. That she was who effectively like a... my little sister growing up yeah. those years when I was like in my early 20s and my late Yeah, I I get that vibe now that you mentioned it. That makes yeah. complete sense. Um, there's Kieran Culkin. He provided some levity. He provided some jokes. Um, and like just his lines and everything else like that. Um, I mean, there's the sight gags of how they all shared a bed. Oh and yeah. There were a couple, there were a couple gags. Like there that. were a whole lot of gay jokes and it's like, God, this is so 2010. Yeah. That's and, got old. and this is, and it, it's and it's not that old, and it's like, and then on top of that, it's very gamer culture. Like, oh, you're gay, you're gay. You're yeah, gay. that's true. That's true. And it's Definitely. just like, oh, this is, this is like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, um, I never. I'm glad. I'm glad we never really got into that aspect of the gamer culture. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, 
the the one thing about like and then even with the sight gags where it's like oh there's four people waking up in the bed like and they show up one by one by one yeah it's like that's that's a more of an edgar wright sight gag than anything else and you know it's like i i'd rather you know watch Shaun of the dead or hot buzz for the sight gags right right yeah so uh chris evans was fucking in it he was in it and he was okay-ish. He was okay-ish, uh, yeah. Yeah. He was decent. He held his yeah. own. Yeah. I mean, he was a refreshingly um, comfortable and familiar face to see in it for me. I mean, Captain yeah. America. But it, yeah. it, it brought me a little bit of peace, actually. Because at that point, I think in the movie, I was kind of getting pissed off at Michael Sarah. I was kind of pissed yeah. off at him the whole time. There's, I think... Part of the reason I I didn't like Michael Sarah's character or Michael Sarah in any character role pretty much is because there's certain things about his demeanor that I think like his demeanor bothers me, but I think there's a couple aspects in it that I definitely at least grew up thinking were part of my demeanor. And so seeing that retrospectively, I'm just like, don't be like that, dude. Come on. Yeah, there's a lot of like, well, until he learns self-respect at the end, a lot of. It's uh, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of overthinking. Self-doubt and trying to like guilt and pity, like get the, get the pity from females and almost like guilt them into being with you. And like that's what it felt like it felt like his move was yeah and it's just like and unfortunately that's a move that a lot of fuckboy early 20s early 20 fuckboys will go to with the whole oh you know i'm not that cool and then you know so and then a girl wants to be you know captain Savaho the other way and yeah. just like, no, 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 you're totally great. You're totally, well, I see it. It's I same, see you. It's the same both ways. Girls do it too and guys fall for it too. It's yeah. Same, like early 20s bullshit trap. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's using emotions to manipulate. It's using other people to fill a void. It's like, I get it. Like I've been guilty of that shit too. I'm not going to sit here and act like I haven't done that. Like, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we go through periods in our lives where we do that shit, but, like, why are we celebrating it in a movie? That's my question. Yeah. Like, I I get it. I get it that we're we're showing it and we're using it as a teaching moment, and then we go and show him, like, earning his own self-respect. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's cool. okay because, like, at the last five minutes of the movie, we, t- we say how bad it's been. So it's okay because in the last five minutes – we talk about how the last hundred minutes have been, you know, he basically he sucked for the last hundred minutes, but it's okay because we explained it away in the last five. Yeah. Also like they speaking of telling us what's wrong with him. Like we never find out, like it would have been great to know his backstory again, a little bit more about why he's so messed up. Yeah. They tell us multiple times. Oh, she broke his heart. Oh, she really messed him up. How? 
Show us, tell us, give us a couple flashbacks. You made it a fucking hour and 50 well, something minutes and you couldn't fit in that, a 30 she, second flashback? Yeah, she left him for that basis he was vegan. Okay, but then, I don't know. I want a little, I guess the rom-com viewer in me wants to see a little more of the like emotional backstory, like the, the emotional ties to that memory, mm -hmm. that event. Give us a reason for why, like a way to understand him more. A way to put his actions into perspective and understand, oh shit, like I get why he's a little timid or messed up or trying to fill a void or is confused right now. Like that sort of shit. That's real human shit. I like when rom-coms bring that stuff into the picture. Mm -hmm. But just like with life, it's a lot easier to get on board with if you give us a little bit of backstory as perspective. Put us in their shoes so we can understand, oh, I get it. Okay, you're flawed. You're fucked up. That's okay. I'm rooting for you. Go fucking figure it out. Let's win this thing. This didn't do that. And it always pisses me. I don't know why I get so worked up. But it always pisses me off when rom-coms don't do that. Because you, you're investing your time. And it just feels like a waste of time when they just don't give you a reason to spend your time here. Yeah. It's like, why am I spending my time with you? Yeah. Don't exactly. waste my time. It is an investment. You want my emotional investment and you're also getting my time investment. So, yeah. And, and in this case, our two ninety nine worth of investment. Yeah. I mean, I, or I rented it in HD like an idiot. So, yeah. Um, so the kiss of the film, I guess it'd be the first one he has with Ramona yeah. when she warms him up, quote unquote, after they go oh, on the right, walk, right, right, right. They get which, up to her bedroom and like the whole, first off, he gets the date by not refusing to sign until she agrees to go on a date with them so then she can leave. So, like, he manipulates her to have this hangout session. And then the hangout session doesn't seem like it's going that well. And then all of a sudden, she's in her bra and, like, right next to him after she lets him in the house. It, like, it lets him in her house. And it's just like, you guys were just walking. Like, when did this all of a yeah. sudden become this? Like, I... How how are we jumping ahead three steps here? And it's just like it. it Again, they this didn't, movie's they so didn't long. Show. They didn't show. Yeah, this movie's so long, and yet there's like so much left unexplained. Yeah, because yeah. we need more time for the swamps and the fucking and the scores. They're unique, and we need to make a joke about lesbians. They made about, several jokes about lesbians. They insane. made a lot of I'm, just like... I'm in lesbians with you and, you know, oh, touch her behind the knee and, you know, you'll never make her do this and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. There's just so many derivative jokes. <laughs> uh, and, like, I mean, and this is another situation where, like, even with someone as talented as Edgar Wright, he was the only one who adapted this. He adapted it wrote it, produced it, directed it. He was the only voice. 
there yeah. probably should have been another voice. Again, at least for the the overall writing, yeah, because it could have yeah. been it could have been edited way down, and then it could have been added to and amended to give us a much better backstory for characters, a much better backstory for this this beginning of a relationship mm-hmm. if there's going to be one. Um, like I said, I like the analogy of the the whole like the backstory of the exes that eventually you have to realize like I'm not fighting the exes, I'm fighting myself. I'm fighting my own insecurities, my own thoughts and doubts and everything. I like that. And I'm and I'm learning how to adult better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fuck, I'm 34 and I'm still adult, definitely learning that. And I become a better adult and better, you know, person. Yeah. I'm therefore becoming a better partner perspective partner exactly um overall i give the kiss a c minus because of the song in the background it was someone uh it was a cover of by your side by sade i don't know who makes the cover Hmm. but it was someone covered it in like a very in like in a folky way and it's just like the original is better but at the same time that song is just fantastic as fuck so uh but by your side by Sade. That's that's the money jam. Hmm. Everyone should listen to it. By your side. You think I leave your side, babe? Or it might be leave your side. I thought or by your yeah, side I, by Sade. No, it's by your side. Okay, yeah. Two thousand. Yeah. You think I leave your side, baby? <laughs> you know me better than that. <laughs> Her album was literally titled Lover's Rock. You goddamn right it was, because that's what the fuck Sade does. She gets the lovers to rock. Oh, <laughs> uh, also, why is, th- got, why is it Scott? Why is it Scott? Oh, yeah, sorry. We didn't finish reviewing The Kiss. So what that's the, the, kiss? the song that's playing in the background. Okay. So then The Kiss. Uh, yeah, I'd give it a C. It was, it was middle of the road. It's nothing special. Yeah. It's Michael Sarah, so it brings it down. Yeah. He's he's just I don't know like nothing against the like introvert character or anything because I think I'd like to think that most people can associate with that on some level like at some point in our lives we've probably been faced with moments like that that's a pretty yes that's a pretty relatable thing yes but Michael Sarah as that role and as the as the figurehead for representing such a role, it doesn't do it for me. He just, he's so insipid and it's really hard to get on board with that. Yeah, I can see that. For me, it comes down to this. Yes, it's relatable, quote unquote. And so that's what they're banking on. Everyone can relate to it. And so that's how people are going to connect to it. And that's why people will watch it. Because they'll relate to it, connect to it, and yeah. you know be able to insert themselves into the happy ending that happens at the end. I look at it this way. If you're so self-loathing that you don't give a fuck about yourself, then why should I, as a viewer, give a fuck about you either? And if I don't give a fuck about you, why am I watching? Well, that's where the backstory would have come in handy. Like, that's the part we and, need to relate to as an audience. Yeah. If you want us to back this character up, Give us his flaws and his issues so that now we then, as an audience relate to them. Now it's now there's an obstacle you're rooting for them to get over. Right. Now you're just like, God, come on, man. 
realize what the issue is. And if you realize what the issue is, you can then become better. And so now you're like rooting for something to happen. Right. But instead, I'm just watching someone who doesn't think of the who doesn't think they're even that interesting. Well, I don't think you're interesting either then, motherfucker. Like I, I believe you. Yeah. And that's the whole film. So well, because yeah, they don't give us any sort of context. No context yeah. to these characters. And it's just like but it's inventive and it looks cool. It's visually stunning. It is actually. They did so much with the form. It's like, look, I, I, I have no time for your parlor tricks. Give me substance over Splash, all yeah. day, every day. So I killed this film. That's my verdict. I think everyone pretty much knew where I was headed. You didn't get did to the. Like you didn't do the happily or the ever after. What happens after ever after? Fucking, the he he and Ramona, you know, go off to their quote unquote next adventure. And he's still unemployed, and she's still changing her hair, and there's still exes that need to be dealt with for somehow, some way. I don't know. Mm. Like they find their way back or something. Like they don't last. They they don't. La- I mean, you know, he's got his self respect now. Maybe he you know learns how to be a better adult. But at the same time, like they all suck. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that it's, yeah, I don't know that it's supposed to last, honestly, like. Well, they walk away together, he leaves knives for her, so there's supposed to be something. Okay, well, life experience tells me that that kind of a relationship, just retrospectively, isn't supposed is to last. not going to last. No, no. that's, you're going great, to get great life experience from it, and it's going to make you both better people for it, but it's, that's not, not meant to be any sort of longevity out of that. Yeah. Probably, you know, maybe, maybe there would be if we had more context for these characters. I don't know. I don't know. Cause we didn't get any, so I don't know. Yeah. What's your verdict? Uh... <laughs> um, I'm going to have to kill it. And Scott Pilgrim vs. the World has entered our shit list. Uh, so I didn't want I, to, but I was going to, I was actually planning on giving it a fuck. Because it is a unique format. If, if you're into it, I mean, it's, it's good. Just don't watch it from the rom-com perspective. Like, I'm not reviewing it as a movie. I'm reviewing it as a rom-com. And as a rom-com, it sucked. Yeah, it it touched on some very good lessons, some it life did. lessons, but it never developed them, and it didn't develop the characters. So I'm sorry. If you have to this film as like a Marvel film, then yeah, you'll yeah, enjoy the effects, but I don't watch Marvel films. You, yeah, <laughs> like, if you, I personally don't. So. If you go into it high and you just watch it for the yeah the visuals, <laughs> like it's cool, yeah. but. If you're watching for any sort of depth on anything, it's not as it kind of lacks. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you can find our socials. Uh, you can find our Instagram at Bromancing the Stone Podcast, all one word together, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, you can also find our Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. That's B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. 
And they can find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in super. So that's S-U-P-R, Market Sweep. And then you can find me on Instagram at Relusa88. That's R-E-L-U-S-A-8-8. And then Max. On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted, which is T-H-E period L-Y-O-N-A-G-A-R-T-E-D. Huzzah. So it is my choice next week. What do we got? Um, what? The choice that was considered uh, related somehow to Wimbledon. I don't know how it would be related, but I feel like there's a big area that we haven't really entered in, and it's Ooh. the area of the African-American rom-com. It's a oh. large vein that we haven't really hit. And it was a vein that my mom loved. My mom loved like rom coms with like African American cast, like uh, the best man. You know, like uh, there's others that you know we can get into, um, but this one in particular, it actually talks about. It kind of focuses on race relations because it's a white male lead and a black. Female. Oh shit! Okay, uh, and it is called something new. And I remember I saw it once. Oh yeah, and I haven't seen it since. So I'd be real. I'm real intrigued to watch it again and see how it goes. I remember liking it when I first saw it, but like not like being in love with it to where I had to like continue watching it. But my mom bought it on DVD, so she liked it enough to have it. Um, so. Interesting. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. With, uh, yeah I, with, I, I, I've seen uh, that I come believe, up quite a bit on suggestions. I believe the guy's name is Simon Baker. He was the mentalist on C- on that CBS show. Um, and then Sanaa Lathan, who is one of those actresses where if you saw her, you'd recognize her. Okay. So, yes. Interesting. Something new. That will be what we watch next week. Cool. I'm excited. Until then, for the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. And we thank you for listening and have a great rest of the week. Love you guys.